This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Um, I'm going to ask something I've never done before. If you guys could find Isaiah 59, verse 19 in the New Living Translation, the Holy Spirit put a passage um, right while we were singing, and I want to read it to you, because so many times we find ourselves, where are we at? What's going on in our world today? How does um, we living in the West deal with things that are an Eastern truth, meaning that Jesus was obviously from, uh, you know, obviously from Israel, the promised land, the Jewish race, how do the Gentiles fit in it? Well, this passage today is, fits right into my message, fits right into what the God has been pulling on my heart, longing for us to understand that God is doing a work on the planet Earth. See, many, many people today, are, they're so wrapped up in what's going on in what the enemy's doing. And they're not even seeing what God's doing. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against it. He said he'd raise a standard against the flood of the enemy, and yet so many people are talking about the flood of what the enemy doing. Yes, I recognize that there is a flood of COVID going across our world today, but I want to recognize the standard of Christ Amen? That rises up against the foe, that rises up against the plans of the enemy. Today we're going to be talking about a message, and and I've labeled it remnant. A few weeks ago, the Lord says, I'm raising up a remnant of people, ones that are warriors for him, ones that are on fire, that are not going to allow the nonsense of this world. They're going to recognize that God is bringing about his plan and his destiny, and he's got assignments, and he's got a calling upon each and every one of our lives, and that if we're listening, we'll find ourselves living in a place that's not of this world, but we'll be ministering to people in this world. In fact, I got an anchor I'm going to be um, using as an illustration in just a a few more moments because the the Bible tells us that, you know what, if there's two things that we can grab out of this, out of his word today, and I'd like you to grab onto it, first of all, is that the word of God is an anchor to weather the storms, but also that the Holy Spirit wants you to pull in to everything that he has, that if we draw near unto God, that God's going to draw near unto us and that there's going to be things, going to be exploitations of God's miracles and wonders in these last days. And so many people today aren't even looking for it. They're not even longing for the, the power of God. In fact, I was talking to some people close to me this week and, and uh, in fact, one of them's in the ministry and uh, they were saying that uh, they can't um, actually go, uh, th- they can't go back to their work environment right now. Their ministry is a, a part-time thing for them. They can't go back to their work environment because they've been exposed to COVID. And so I'm um, sharing with them, we're outside and, and we're talking and, and I said, you know, what would Jesus do with COVID? I just looked right into his eyes. I go, what would Jesus do with COVID? To me, COVID is just another leprous scenario. It's, it's, it's a leprous situation. It's something that is, is, is very real. I'm not denying the symptoms. I'm not denying the, uh, the role of the enemy in it. 
I'm not denying um, the uh, people are losing their lives and are losing loved ones. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm not trying to be unwise in what is going on. But I want to share with you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, Jesus raises a standard against it. If he be lifted up, if Christ be lifted up, you know, the Bible says that greater is he, greater is Christ, greater is his Holy Spirit that lives inside of me than the flood of the enemy on the outside of me. And yet today you wouldn't think that because it feels like so much oppression is going on on the outside that people are being suppressed. And the Bible says very clearly that do not suppress the truth. Jesus is bigger. His message, his power, his love, his anointing is greater than what's going on on the outside of our life. Here's the thing though. You cannot live out that greatness unless you believe it. Jesus says he marveled that his people, when he went to home, he says he marveled that people wouldn't be in faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Substance of things hoped for, and people are hoping that they'll they'll be, that COVID will pass them by. They're not believing that Christ's blood and Christ's power and Christ's anointing will literally push away the darkness that's coming toward our lives. That we don't look any different than the world looks. That the church is God's plan and destiny. Let me, let me, I'm just going to read it to you right here. Isaiah 59. And I'm going to read, um, in fact, I'm going to read a few verses, but 59, 19. Did you guys get that up there for me? 59, 19? All right. I'm going to read just a few verses, and then we're going to get to 19 together. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. Would you say that oppressions are across our world today? So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor, placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance, wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes. He will pay them back even to the ends of the earth. Now watch this promised body of Christ. So many of us don't realize, are we not from the West? Are we not a nation that's from the the West? Look what God's word says about the people in the West. In the West, people will respect the name of the Lord. In the East, they will glorify him. He will come like a raging flood, tide driven by the breath of God. That's God's promise in Isaiah 59, talking about the end days, talking about the end hours, talking about who Christ himself. In fact, even as we were singing, I'm seeing Jesus on a white horse, and I see him getting closer and closer and closer to this day and this hour. But I see so many people that aren't even looking for the white horse. All they're doing is they're literally stagnant by the black one. And you know what I mean by the black horse? Sickness and pestilence. They're literally calling and they're literally driven by the black horse and not the white one. Jesus says that as many, as many that that know my voice, his sheep, I will put them in the gate. And today I want to talk about being in the gate, being in the keeper of God. In in fact, he gave us in Genesis 2.15, I hope you're taking notes. He told Adam and Eve, he says, I want you to do one thing, Adam. I want you to do one thing, Eve. I want you to take care of this garden, tend it, and keep it. Well, God would never ask anybody to do something he doesn't do himself. So God wants to tend your life and he wants to keep your life. God wants to tend your life and keep your life. The keeping power of God is this, is that God doesn't want you to draw back. He doesn't want you to lose anything that God has already given you. The tending means, look, there's more. There's more. Everybody say, there's more. There's 
Well, say it like you believe it, would you please? There's, there's, there's more. There's more of God. There's more of His anointing. There's more of His plan. There's more of His way that we can explore and receive in our life. To him who receives, God says, to them they are the children of God. Which means if I'm not receiving all God has, I'm not acting like a child of God. In Romans chapter eight it says that all creation's longing for the children of God to rise up. I don't want the rocks to climb up, you know, start crying about who God is. We should be crying about who God is. Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm all right, I'm here. All right, let's get in our notes if we could. And I know that I want you guys to be taking some, some notes today. And I honestly, this has been working inside of my spirit for weeks. There is a rise of the calling of God in my own life. And I am gonna answer it. I believe there's a rise in the calling of God's life in yours. I pray that you're going to answer it. In fact, we're gonna end on Romans chapter eight. And we all know that Romans eight twenty. all things work together for the that love God and are... Oh, we don't, we don't finish this sentence too. All things work together for them that love God. We're all in the company of those who love God right now. But are you following the calling? In Romans 8, and then it says, to them that he predestined, which means the remnant I'm talking about, to them he called. Are you hearing his calling? Calling you out to be everything that he's called you to be. Then it says, to them he called, them he justified. To them he justified, them he glorified. And it's a process, and God says, so many of you, including myself, some of you wanna go right from the calling right into the glorification, but you don't realize it's a process of even realizing that you are nothing without me. Jesus says, we can do nothing without the power, the redeeming act of God in our life. James chapter four, seven, we talked about this last week, talking about drawing near. James four, seven, humble yourself before God, Resist the devil and he will flee. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I'm going to read another passage, and I know the team doesn't have this one because God was speaking to me this morning a few more. Hebrews 2.1, so just write it down if you would. You can turn to it and reference it later. Or actually, I don't know if you guys did get to it. Did you get it? Hebrews 2.1. Hebrews 2.1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away. Now, um, some of you guys know that um, I own a, a boat rental business, and uh, with all the storms that we've had, in fact, yesterday, we had a couple people drifting away into the weeds with sea and sea don't run in the weeds. So anyway, um, they don't realize that there's e even an anchor that's supplied to them, and they can throw it in the water and hold them in place, but they don't. They just drifted away, way back in the weeds, all right? And God gives us an anchor. The Bible says hope is the anchor of your soul. And that God is looking for you to operate and recognize and see what the anchor looks like is this. What an anchor is, all right, is when you're going over there and you're hanging on to those truths that God has given you. You're holding on to the Bible. It's expecting you to hold on to the truths. He's going over there and says, God, I thank you that you're my healer. 
I thank you that you're my strong tower. I thank you that you're my, my redeemer. When I sin or when I get in, in the flesh, you are bigger than my flesh. I thank you that you're strong in me and the power of your might is strong in me. I thank you when the storms are coming and maybe all of a sudden there's a storm in my marriage, I thank you that you're greater than the storm that's in my marriage. I thank you that when there's a storm going on with my child, my child's drifting away from your truth or drifting away into some nonsense, I thank you that you're stronger than the, you know what, the storms that are going on in my child's life. I hold on to your promises, God. I hold on to your ways. And Holy Spirit, I'm going to even pull in. I'm not even going to just hold on. I'm going to start pulling in to all that you got. God, show me what you want me to pray for my kid. Show me what you want me to pray for my marriage. Show me what you want to pray for my business. Show me what you want to pray for my church family. Show me. You're drawing near. You're not just going over there and taking the hits, taking the wind. You're going over there and saying, I'm pulling in to all God has for my life. I believe God is raising, for those, pe- raising those people up right now that are starting to pull. They're just starting to draw. James 4 says, humble yourself. Draw near unto God. He will do what? Draw near unto you. There is a power that is not of this world. There is a power in Christ that's not of this world. And Satan is getting people to drift away so far away that they can't even hear the calling anymore. When you get so far away, and I remember my dad made me, I mean, we, we were raised in that generation where mom said, called out Ron and Bob, that was my brother's name, and we were out playing outside. We, didn't, we weren't playing on our smart devices. There wasn't any smart device out there, and we certainly weren't smart, all right? <laughs> but we were outside making forts and doing crazy things or whatever. Even if we had, we had motorcycles and even if we were whatever, we had to look at our watch, and we had to respect the time and respect the voice of mom because if the voice of dad came out, it was already too late. He only came out once. And when dad came on to the hour, there was going to be responsibilities, and you didn't want those responsibilities and accountability coming your way. All right? Mom even would go over there and make us not, I thank God for moms. Mom would make sure that we didn't suffer the consequences even when dad should have brought even more of those into play. Point is, is we were always ready to hear the parent's voice. We were in a place where we could hear it. Are you in a place in your heart and in your mind where you can hear what God is saying? Because if you're so mindful of all the distractions and so mindful of all the things that are going on, so mindful of everything that's so destructive and so fearful and anxious, then you're not going to hear what God's saying because God talks through hope. That's how God talks. He talks through hope. Faith is the substance of things hope for. And so if you're sitting there and all your mind is, it's hopeless, it's hopeless, it's hopeless, you, even though God is talking right next to you, you're not going to get the voice wave of what God is saying. You're not going to hear what he's saying, and he's right there. His voice is calling on you, but you are in a wrong place because you're distracted and you're hearing things that are hopeless. Satan is working very rapidly at getting people deaf to what God is saying. For the message of God delivered through the angel has stood firm and every violation of the law, every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message 
By the way, God wants to confirm his message today. How does he confirm it? He confirmed it was giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. I believe that the Holy Spirit's greatest outpouring in all mankind, God promised it, is gonna be in these last hours. I believe there's gonna be a people that are raising up and hungry. They're so thirsty for everything that God has. I believe that what's gonna happen is the greatest movement of God, and yet some of us are not gonna get pulled into that calling. Some of us are gonna be drifting away, not holding on to the promises all we are is distracted by what's going on and we're going where's God where's God and we, we're the ones that what kept on letting out the line and drifting away but God was over here he says draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you first Timothy 4 now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times are we living in those last times Got somebody came right up to our business. They, I, I'm getting rid of all my cash. They're giving us all their cash because they're believing in a cashless society. <laughs> what do you think of all those signs and wonders are going on? Some will turn away from true faith. They'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that will come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are seared and dead. Now I want to read um, a passage because when you draw near, there's accountability to listen to what God's saying. I'm gonna say that again. When you draw near, there's accountability to hear and heed what God is saying. God wants to pour his glory. God wants to pour out his, his spirit in these last days. You are a vessel, you're a container, you're a temple of what God wants to do. He wants you to be a light. He wants you to be an ambassador. There's so many promises and there's so many analogies that God has given to us. So many of them. Watch what God is saying in Leviticus chapter 10. And I, I want you to follow along because this, it seems like it's really harsh. And if you read scripture out of text and if you don't get yourself into the storyline, you will miss what God is saying. Hebrews 10 verse 1. Now Nadab and Abihu... Their sons of Aaron took their respective ceremonial censers, put fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange, unauthorized, unacceptable fire before the Lord, an act which he had not commanded them to do. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord said, I will be treated as holy by those who approach me, and before all the people I will be honored. Body of Christ, I believe that God is raising up a remnant. He's raising up a people across denominations that are on fire for Jesus. They're longing, but I'm going to tell you something. They will have the fear of God inside of them. The Bible says in Acts, it says that the body of Christ grew in the fear of the Lord and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They'll have the fear of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about the, the scared of who God is. They have so much reverence because they realize that in God's presence, show me one person that you read about in the Bible that when they get in the presence of his holiness, that they don't fall prostrate. Not one of them platforms stuff. Yeah, I deserve to be here. I worked hard. I prayed hard. I believed hard. I got myself in this predicament. That's the wrong spirit. Everyone that gets in the presence of God realizes the holiness of our God. That Jesus paid a huge price so that you could even approach that holy, 
awesome Father, the creator of the universe. And that God wants you to approach him, but he wants you to do that with fearful and respect and awe of who he is. Amen? And that we should be doing this now in our prayer closet. We should be doing this now in our worship time so that when we get up to heaven, it's not a strange thing because I'm going to tell you something. When you get up to heaven, you are going to be prostrate when you get in the presence of God. Because his glory, the Bible says glory means it's such a heaviness that you won't be able to stand up underneath it unless God gives you the strength to even stand. We serve an awesome God. We serve a loving, creative, powerful magnificent God. We serve a God that has, you know what, when his breath breathes out, lightning and thunder can go. He can move and shake mountains. We serve that God and what's happened is, is that we've made God almost like an idol and like he's in these little boxes. And that God's lucky enough for us to have a little time with him and hang out with him. I'm praying that the fear of God comes over the body of Christ. I'm praying the fear of God comes over my life over and over and again. Because I want a deep reverence. And it's, isn't it amazing when I first got saved, if you can remember that moment. Do you remember that moment in your life? I was 23. I remember this two overwhelming emotions. One was, is that I felt so loved and embraced and forgiven and so cleansed. And this other was, I, I felt like I didn't deserve to be here. And that Jesus paid a huge price. These two over, I mean, almost contradictory scenarios. One was I couldn't, so much joy about being, and I wanted to serve him. I wanted to do whatever he wanted me to do. Oh God, whatever you want me to do, I'm, you, I'm so thankful for what you've done and what, you, what you've done for my life. A couple points I want to make in this message. Number one, God is a keeper to those who draw near. If you're right, taking notes, God is a keeper to those who draw near. Many of us want God's keeping power in our life. He will keep, you know what? I want to draw near in my marriage. I want God to keep my marriage. So then what should I do? Draw near to God in my marriage. He's a keeper of those who draw near, all right? Number two, all right? God is a revealer to those who draw near. He's a revealer to those who draw near. Now in Exodus chapter 24, many of us, I just read that, that Leviticus scenario with Nadab and Abihu offer the strange fire. But what you don't understand is what these two men had grace to be in the presence of. They knew better. And we're going to pick up Exodus chapter 24. This is why the Bible says all scripture is written for reproof, for correction, for edification, exhortation. Let's read in Exodus 24. This is a precedent this is a moment where Nadab and Abihu were in a place they didn't belong, yet God's grace brought them there. And they knew better for what happened later. Exodus 24, I'm going to read verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Come up the mountain to me, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 of the leaders of Israel. And while you're still some distance away, bow down and worship. You alone... None of the others are to come near. So he's saying, Moses, you're the only guy to come up. The rest of the guys stay, stay at a distance. The people are not even to come up to the mountain. Moses went, told the people all the Lord's commands and all the ordinances, and all the people answered. We will do everything the Lord has said. Moses wrote down all the Lord's commands. Early the next morning, 
He built an altar at the foot of the mountain, set up 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes. Then he sent young men and they burnt sacrifices to the Lord and sacrificed some cattle as fellowship offerings. Moses took half the blood of the animals, put it in the bowls, and the other half he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant in which the Lord commands were written and read it aloud to the Lord. They said, we will obey the Lord and do everything that he has commanded. Now, now just look up here a minute, okay? We're going to get to just the rest of it. What's happening? Moses is helping the people do what? Draw near. God just said, look, let them stay right at the mountain base. Can't get close. And what happens, let me tell you something. God, you have a heart. You've been given a heart. And that heart wants to engage communication and connectivity. You, just, you can touch God's heart. You know what the most precious thing that God has ever given us is the ability to touch our Creator's heart. When you draw near unto God, it gets a hold of His heart and He wants to do what? Draw near to you. What an honor that we, being the creatures that we are, infallible creatures, can touch the Lord's heart. And this is what's going on. I'm reading a, a, a passage, and, and what's happening is Moses is offering up these sacrifices, and he's, he's spreading the blood, and he wasn't even commanded to do that. He was commanded to keep the people away, but Moses and his leadership and the people, they're touching God's. What if we were to be a people that go, I want to wake up tomorrow morning, I want to touch your heart, God. I want to worship you. I want to, law, I want to be close to you. I want to touch your heart. Look at, read on here, what happens when you touch God's heart. Then Moses, verse 8, took the blood and the bulls and threw it to all the people. That sounded kind of gross, wasn't it? He said, this is the blood that seals the covenant which the Lord made with you when they gave all these commands. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, all 70 leaders of Israel went up the mountain. You touch God, God brings you in. They were supposed to stay at bay. They went up the mountain and they saw the God of Israel. Beneath his feet was that what looked like a pavement of sapphire as blue as the sky. God did not harm these leading men of Israel. They saw God and they ate and drank together. Can you imagine that moment? You're just hanging out with his glory. You're hanging out with God. And literally they have read that God says his law says, you shall, if you see God, you don't live through it. And God goes, you know what? You have drawn near to me and I am gonna glorify this moment. We're gonna have some time together that's not even really legal, but you have touched my heart. And so many of us are so law-oriented, we're so do and do oriented we don't even realize that we can get captivated by God's power and his love. We can get so close to his presence and that God's gonna do things that are physically, emotionally not supposed to happen. Sounds like signs and wonders to me. Sounds like signs and wonders that God wants to do when people get really close to the heart of God. And yet some people will go over there and read, back, read about Nadab and Abihu and go, man, I don't want to get so close to God that I'm just no more. You missed it. Nadab and Abihu were hanging out at God and they saw his feet. They saw the separate. They were in the holiness and God was purifying their life. And they didn't even, they treated it like it was nothing. Body of Christ, some of us have done that. We've treated God's presence. We treated God's, you know, his love and his forgiveness. And I'm asking God, refresh my heart. I've done it myself. I have been in the holiness of God. I've been in the presence of God. I've seen signs and wonders. And yet so many times I'm looking for the new one. I'm not even thanking him for the old one. Let 
Number three, God is a judge to those who draw near. We've already read about what happened to Nadab and Abihu. Many, many of us, you know, don't judge me, you're judging me. And that's what, the whole thing is all full of that church going over there. You're judging me, you're judging me, you're judging me. You know, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that word, I'd be a billionaire. So anyway, so, you know, it, let me t- ask you something. This, the Bible says, it doesn't say that we're not supposed to judge things. In fact, it says leadership is supposed to judge things, what is holy and what is unholy. The struggle today with the church is because we haven't judged what's right and wrong anymore. Everything is okay to do. That's not true. We don't judge people. We judge what's right from wrong, what's holy from unholy. And let me tell you something. God doesn't hang around with unholiness because he's a holy God. And if we were to align ourselves with his holiness and his plan and his ways, we would see much more of his signs and wonders because it's not because we're asking for signs and wonders. You hang out with God and signs and wonders are going to follow. We should be so full of God. Like I said a couple weeks ago, we leak God because he's so filled inside of our lives. And then number four, the remnant will be saved or kept from drifting away. If there's one thing that um, I realize that I am nothing without Christ and that I have a tendency, I have a carnal nature and I, I, like what Romans 7 it says, I, the things I, I, I want to do, I don't do and the things I don't want to do, I do. You know, that's the whole doo-doo scripture, right? And, uh, but in Romans 8, it says, thanks be to God, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I realize that if, I'm, if I don't keep my eyes on the author and the finisher of my faith, I will drift away. I can have like with my, some of my customers, a hundred horse underneath their hands and it goes nowhere because they drifted away in a place they don't belong. They're in the marsh, they're in the weeds and all that horsepower can go nowhere. Or what I can do is I get myself and keep, you know what, allow God's keeping power, keep me from drifting away. And you know what, I don't want to drift away, I want to draw closer. I'm not going to be mindful and be afraid of what the devil can do. He should be afraid of what I can do in him. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Why am I so concerned about what the enemy can do? And you know what, he should be waking up and going, man, that guy's up again. Why, you know what, Let, I like it when he's sleeping. That's what should be going on with your life. Christ, and, and what's happened is we've, we've, we've come to this place of, of I'm going to say, contentment with just taking hits. And that we're waking up for the next nonsense moment. What is going to happen with the media? What's going to happen with what we're going to have to do? What is the government going to tell us what to do? What the government's not going to tell us to do? What my workplace can tell me what to do? What, and so, and going, I don't care about that. Uh, you know what? I wear a, you know, we wear a mask in our shop. I don't care. I don't, because what's inside of me is greater than what's going on outside of me. And the worship of who my God is is going on the inside. And you know what? God is going to move inside of my life. He's waiting, and everything right now is preparation. You know what? It's all preparation. John the Baptist walked the face of the earth 
before Jesus did his move in his moment. I believe Jesus Christ is going to be coming back on a horse. I believe he's going to go over there and raise up the church in a twinkling of an eye. I believe that those who already are looking for him right now are going to see him and boom, we're going to be out of here. But let me tell you something, there's going to be others that have drifted away that aren't going to hear the call, aren't going to see the horse, they're not going to hit that moment because they've been allowing the cares of this world to get them so far and the deceiving spirits and the lies to get them so far away that they're not even hearing the calling. Body of Christ, rise up. Rise up over this stuff. Not because I'm trying to inspire you, because God's promises and his presence tells you to. It's not because I'm your shepherd or your pastor. It's Jesus is your shepherd and your pastor. And he is calling you right now. He is calling me right now. And I'm just one person. I'm your brother in the Lord. Let's do this together. Let's long it. I don't know what the mission's gonna be tomorrow, but right now he's making me ready for that mission. And others I'm watching, they're not being readied. They're getting so distracted by everything else. As the Bible says, they're drifting uh, way. Hold fast to your confession of faith without wavering. Last passage, actually two more passages. Revelations 12, 17, Amplified Translation says this. So the dragon was enraged with the woman. He went off to wage war on the rest of her children. Those who keep and obey, notice keep and obey the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus holding firmly to it, bearing witness to him. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans and the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you future and hope. Then you will call on me and I will come and pray to me, and I will hear your voice, and I will listen. Then, with a deep longing, you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Today, I hear the body of Christ going, well, it can't hurt to pray about it. That's not realizing that God's your vital necessity, that he is your vitality. That's just going over there and thinking, well, I... Maybe being a Christian, maybe prayer, could, could, it, it could help. That's not recognizing the vitality and the power. That's not what this promise is talking about. This is going to, I know where my help comes from. I know who my healer is. I know who my redeemer is. I know who my savior is. I know who my prosperity is. I know where the restorer of my soul is. I know where the truth is. I'm holding on to that truth and I'm not holding on to it. I'm growing near to it. I'm getting stronger in it. In the might of who he is, I'm not gonna just stay stagnant and just weather the storm. God's got bigger things. And you know what? I may be getting hit here and there and weather going over. It may get a little rocky for a while, but I'm gonna pull in to all God has for my life. In Romans 8, in closing, and we know that with great confidence that God, who's deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God and are those who are what? Called according to his plan and purpose. For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son 
ultimately to share in his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among all believers. And those whom he predestined, he, say it with me, church, he declared free from the guilt of sin and those whom he called, he justified. He also glorified, raising them into a heavenly dignity. God doesn't want the stink of this world on your life. God wants you to be dignified in his presence. He wants you to be glorified in his presence. He wants you to realize that this world is not on you and the stink of it isn't on you. The elements of this world are not supposed to be pulling you down. The kingdom of God is supposed to be raising you up. That's what's supposed to be happening. Now, so don't beat yourself up if you got yourself caught in the stink. Let me tell you something. You walk in poo, you're going to get some on your shoes. All right? Shake it off. Get rid of it, okay? Wipe it on the devil's face, whatever you gotta do, all right? But the point of it is that Jesus Christ is raising you up. And he does that because he longs to have a deeper, powerful, glorified relationship with you. He's not looking for you to go over there and just have a pass so that you can get on the ride called heaven. He's longing for you to be an ambassador so that you help others get on that same place and that same ride. He's longing for you to be greater than all the world and all the turmoil that's going on. And that goes on the inside. So much power and might of who he is presses and pushes against the darkness. You should be so lit up. I had a friend of mine says, Pastor, you lit? I go, I am lit up with Jesus. You know what? And I have to stir that up because it's dark around me. I got dark things that happen to me every single day. Every single day I got things that are stressful and anxious me. Every single day. I have a choice. Do I think on the things outside of me or do I literally dwell on who's in me? I'm going to tell you something. There are times where I get caught up with that's outside of me and I guess what I do? I drift away and all of a sudden I grab hold of that and I go, wait a minute. I know what's going on here. This is, I'm not living out the plan and purpose and you know, design of God. I'm gonna pull into all that God has. Some of you right now in closing, you struggle with it because of hypocrisy. In fact, I'm speaking to somebody in this room right now. You struggle because, well, pastor, I, you know, I, I, I said this, I've done this in my marriage, or I, 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 I've said this, done this with my children. Guilty. It's not the condition or the steps that you have done that bring you into the place. Nadab, Abihu, the 70 elders, and Aaron and Moses did not deserve to get into the presence of God. All they did was touch God's heart by saying, God, here I am. I love you. Every one of you, every single one of you, have the ability to open up your heart or close your heart off to him. You can allow the enemy's lies and the tactics and the fear of man to get inside of you and war against your soul. Or you can go over there and just allow God's redemptive work. Here I am, God. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. But God, I want to draw closer to you. I love you. I worship you, God. I need you. I am nothing without you, God. But with you, God, Lord, you can do so much through this vessel. So here it is, God. It's yours. 
Do what you have with it. Do what you want with it. I yield my life, my thoughts. I yield my marriage. I yield my children, my grandkids, God. I yield the business. I yield the church, Lord God, into your hands. It's your mission, God. Any of you can do that. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and your heart is racing and you say, I, I want to be right with God. I'm, I've drifted away. I don't, I, I, I don't know him I, or, or I can't hear his voice. We're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And that, that this prayer is so important. It isn't, it isn't magical. All it is is submission and it's surrender. It's all it is. And yet God looks at that surrender, just like at the base of that mountain, he goes, he's going to bring you back up into his place. No matter how far away you are down that mountain, God will meet you right there. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand nice and high and say, I, I want to start, I, I, I want Jesus Christ to come and forgive me. Thank you for that. Anybody else say, that's me. Thank you for that. Anybody else say, that's me. Thank you for that, sir. All right, church family, let's pray together with them. Say, Father in heaven, I surrender my life into your hands. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your hope. I'm all yours. Holy Spirit, lead me this week. In Jesus' name, amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.